crazy story. Um, I used to, for everybody, I used to manage an artist named Two Chains for 10 years. And I was in the music industry from Atlanta. Uh, other artists like Young Dolph, Travis Porter, Bankroll Fresh, RMP oh, Bankroll yeah. Fresh, um, passed away a couple years ago. But yeah, so I was always in the music industry. My name was CEO Charlie. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of The Raisin Brand. I'm your host, Jade Dharmawangsa, and today I'm actually here in Seoul, Korea. Uh, what's up, everybody? I know it's been a while since my podcast, but I am so excited to announce that I have a special guest. His name is Charlie Rockett. I'm about to explain how he was able to manage amazing artists like Two Chains and all these names that you're about to hear, plus become on a Nike featured on a Nike ad. What? This guy's insane. I, I was really intrigued and just so honored to have him on my podcast. You guys know that I mentioned him on my YouTube video. I mentioned him on my Instagram. But today, this is the entire full interview with Charlie. I hope you guys enjoy. This is all about marketing strategies on how to grow your brand with the CEO himself. And we're about to dive right in. So super casual, no bullshit. This is the episode where we talk with Charlie freaking Rocket. Say what's up. What's up? No bullshit alert. No bullshit. <laughs> I'm so honored to be here. Seriously, thank you so much for being here, Charlie. Um, we are getting diving right in. We have the live going on here. I want you guys to ask Charlie questions. Now, for anyone who needs context, which I hope people know more of your story more because it's amazing, tell us a little about yourself, Charlie. Where did you get started? How did you become from CEO Charlie to Charlie on Nike? Tell us a little about yourself. Crazy story. Um, I used to... For everybody, I used to manage an artist named Two Chains for 10 years of my life. Excuse me, I just got done eating. I was it's okay, not bullshit. We're going to leave that. <laughs> I just burped. It's all so, good. So, um, used to manage an artist named Two Chains. And I was in the music industry from Atlanta. Uh, other artists like Young Dolph, Travis Porter, Bankroll Fresh, RIP oh, Bankroll Fresh, um, passed away a couple years ago. But yeah, so I was always in the music industry. My name was CEO Charlie. Yes. When I was eight years old, my dream was to be an athlete. Really? And I think, like, dreams are, like, nothing that we, like, choose. Mm-hmm. I think they're just kind of in us. Okay. Kind of like uh, solitaire on a Windows computer. It's just, like, there. Like, right. you didn't download it. <laughs> and for me, my dream was to be an athlete, but I was always the chubby kid. So, I needed something to be good at. So, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a businessman. I put on my suit, I would go to school every day with my briefcase, and I said, if I want to be a businessman, I got to look like them, and I thought business was cool, and as time went on, I uh, I got good at business. I ended up being a Soldier Boy's cameraman, and um, I signed, you know, my first group to Interscope Records, they ended up firing me, and um, Soldier Boy actually fired me as well. <laughs> wait, wait, is there anything that you can dive into now for the audience that's curious? Yeah, so... So, I was on tour with Soldier Boy for for uh, for like six months. He gave me this diamond chain oh, to really? wear. Like, he wanted his team to look cool. To look fresh. Okay. You want to look the part. And, like, I'm, like, making cameos in his music videos. <laughs> and one day, he asked me for, for the chain back. He said, he said Charlie, that, that chain, like, let, let me get it back real quick. Uh, uh, get it cleaned or right. something. And I'm like... Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, like, I didn't think too much of it, but I've been wearing it for, like, four or five months, so it's like, I was very attached to it, (laughs) especially since I was, like, I was broke at the time. Mm -hmm. How old were you? 
uh, 18 years old. I'm 17, 18, so similar age. Mm-hmm. Right around that time. Going. So the Soldier Boy has the number one song in the country, oh, yeah. the biggest dance song, and I'm on top of the world. Right. We're supposed to go to Jimmy Kimmel the next day. We're in Atlanta on October 4th, 2007. Supposed to go to Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. And I didn't get my itinerary. My travel itinerary. I know we're supposed to be going to LA tomorrow. Mm. Nobody's answering my phone calls. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the airport. Be proactive. I'll just run into everybody there. And I'm at the airport. And I'm waiting. And after a few hours, I just realized... I think I'm fired. You know, no one said anything? Nothing. Okay. I went home to my mom. Because I dropped out of college to be on tour with Soldier Boy. <laughs> Dude, you guys, you were committed for this guy. 100%. Okay. And I went home to my mom and I said, Mom, I think I'm fired. She said, well, if you're not going to be in school, you got to pay rent. So what did you do? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I got to. I just got fired. Like, can I have a little sympathy? You're talking about, you know, me paying rent. And she, she said, I'm serious. Like, it's either you go back to school or if you're going to do this little business stuff okay. you're doing, you got to pay rent. And I said, out on that road, I got to see who was making the real money. Right. And it wasn't the cameraman. It was the manager. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I said, Ma, I'm a manager rappers. She said, what do you know about managing rappers? I said, I'm going to figure it out because that's where the money is. And right. I wanted to get it. And uh, so I'm in my mom's basement. I found this girl group. They were dope. They were like the, the female version of Outcast, but like the Disney version. They, had, <laughs> they were colorful. That's so dope. And um, Interscope Records, within 24 hours, committed to signing them. So I'm like, I'm seeing my life is about to take off. We're about to get a record deal. We're going to be high. Yes. Like, we got on 106 and Park. We're getting oh, on the God. radio. Like, I see my life's future. In I'm management. In management. How long did it take from getting fired to seeing this comp- like, group grow? You said like two or three months. Two that's, or three that's months. That's pretty fast. Yeah, like I was like I was, I was, was networking and I was very ambitious. So I, was, I had the girls on a show in Washington, D.C. Got it. And one day when they got off stage, they got mad at me for no reason. They said, they said, you didn't get us water. You're a bad manager. And I'm like, because I didn't get you water? Yeah. And when we go to the airport, and they wouldn't even talk to me. Uh-huh. We're at the Washington, D.C. airport, and they were just like cold shouldering me. And I'm like, I've been at an airport before when I got fired. I think I'm about to be fired. Again? <laughs> Not again? No way. No. So come to find out, they left me for Sierra's manager. Oh, God. And I go back to my mom's basement and I said, Mom, like, I got fired. How old are you again now at this point? Still 18? It's like 19. So like in the span of one year, you've been, you dropped out of college mm-hmm. and then you also got fired twice by yes. growing artists. How yes. did that make you feel? I was doubting myself as far as like, I know I'm special, but why am I not where I deserve to be? I'm just curious, when you say special, I think that's also confidence. I mean, I can hear from you. And just by the way, we got a comment from the viewer saying like, you're a legend. So people obviously can see that energy. People, like I have a viewer from South Africa. What's up? What's, What's up, up, Frank? Frank? So you're, you're saying that you have a sense of special. Sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm a special kid too. But why is that? Why did you feel like you had a sense of purpose at the end of the day? You know, like... I was focused, like, um, 
A lot of the reason why I was so focused was to cover up an insecurity, though. Oh, really? Like, I was always overweight. Okay. So, like, I was antisocial mm-hmm. as far as, like, I was scared to go to, like, parties mm-hmm. or, or, or clubs mm-hmm. and things like that. So, I would cover that up with, oh, I'm grinding, I'm focused. I do that, too. I guess I'm going to admit on camera, but do you ever say, like, you're hustling so people know that you're busy so they don't mm-hmm. talk to you? So, you put this, like, wall up? Mm-hmm. How did you get over that, or are you still going? I'm still that way. Like, I'm I'm overcoming my insecurities a lot by, Mm -hmm. like, talking about them on Instagram and, like, being open and honest with people. But, like, I'm 30 years old, and I'm in the first relationship of my lifetime. Like, I have a girlfriend for the very first time, and all these past years, I've, like, been too insecure to even be in a relationship. So, I would always just cover up my insecurities with something I needed to be good at. So I just, instead of going to the high school football game, I just like, oh, I'm working. You know, instead of going to the party, I'm working, which was good. Yeah, it, it's a good thing that your problem actually made you successful. Yes. <laughs> um, and I'm that same way. Like, I would be at high, well, I'm a little younger in a sense because I had to, like, close off my friends from high school. And high school is that key point where you want to be relatable because when you're going to college you start to realize you have to make money. So I feel like high school is a crucial point where people's egos are the biggest. Mm-hmm. So... Let's go back a little bit. So you were 19. You have, you know, five, two times. Mm-hmm. What was your strategy next? Did you think about giving up or like that wasn't an option? So when I was with Soldier Boy and when I was with my first girl group, I was kind of caught up in the lifestyle. I like was what? worrying about the diamond chain. I was like... Were you, like, do you live in a nice... Like, would you live in a nice place? No, I wasn't making enough money <laughs> to live into a nice place. <laughs> you just had the things. But I, I was just I was just caught up in trying to be famous. What does that mean for you? Like, like it was just, I wasn't keeping my eye on the prize. I was caught up in attention or caught up right. in like, oh, I'm this or I'm that. And when I got fired the second time, I was like, being fired is not cool. So all this attention means nothing. I've got to get super laser focused. So let me like stop talking to these girls. Let me stop. Who taught you that? Like, who taught you that mindset? Yourself? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No mentor? No mentor. I just, I wanted to win, and what I was doing so far wasn't working. So that's when, I I, I was in a depressed state for a couple months. That's when I I said, you know what, CEO Charlie needs to be CEO Charlie. Put the suit on, be focused, don't tell people your age, don't act your age, and just be an amazing manager and an amazing manager is somebody who is of service, not trying to be famous, but who is of service, making that client famous. So, so you have a new mindset now. Completely, something change. And I would, I would every day, I would just put my head down and I would leave MySpace comments, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of MySpace comments. And Travis Porter started growing, wow. started growing, and then we started getting shows, and then we were promoting. And I would drive from every radio station. From Jackson, Mississippi, all the way to Washington, D.C., standing outside the radio station, begging the DJs to show support. I would bring them hoodies where I'd vinyl, vinyl press their names on the back of a hoodie, so it was custom DJ hoodies. And I would provide them with this box that had a CD and stickers and everything in it to where I wanted to win so bad that nothing else mattered. No distraction mattered. And I actually learned an amazing lesson about distractions from Drake. Drake? Yes, Drake. Did you ever meet him, Drake? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? So, oh, that's crazy. So, the VMAs, 
We went to the VMAs. Um, afterwards, Drake is having a pool party. <laughs> was it at his pool? At his pool. No, it's the famous pool. The famous oh, pool. You made it in. So we're, we're pulling into, you know, Hidden Hills. We go to his house. It's this beautiful log cabin style mansion. We walk through. I feel like I'm in a movie. And, and I walk outside to the backyard. And there's all these people out there. Right. And I'm talking about every distraction you can imagine. The prettiest women in the world. I mean, people jumping off the mountain into the pool. Isn't his pool like... Literally, it's on Disneyland. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's got a mountain of waterfall, <laughs> a slide. It's got... I mean, everything you can imagine. Everything. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at all these people yeah. caught up in this pool party. Selfies. Boom. Having a good time. You know, alcohol, right. drugs. I was like, where's Drake? He's nowhere to be found. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm looking, you know few minutes go by and I see over on the far side of the pool there's like a little like shed yeah. way on the other side of the yard and I see Drake pop out and he comes over to us and he says let me show y'all something mm-hmm. and I'm like this is odd and he, he takes us to the shed right and the only thing he cared about he was like let's let's get some chairs and Pulled the chairs in, right. and and he said, "I'm gonna record my next album right here during the party." During the party, <laughs> I mean, as everybody is focused on this lifestyle thing called Drake's pool, yeah, <laughs> Drake is worried about his album and his craft. He was not distracted by one thing, and it's no wonder why he has beaten the Beatles' record for right. most top ten records. On the charts. Right. Because in the midst of every distraction, he's focusing on making his music in a shed with lawn chairs. How old were you when you saw that, like, in real life? I was, I was probably, like, 20, 25. Okay, so a little later. Yeah. But you always still have that drive, just like Drake. Yeah. Your um, distraction. So what would be your biggest tip for someone who has distractions? Like, why do you think some people are able to really, like, have no blinders? Um, and just like go for it rather than people who look around at their competition. Like I find myself looking at other digital marketers and like they're making more money than me. They're having a better life. I mean, I, I think we all do that. So mm-hmm. how do you know, what's the difference? What do you think is the key thing? Well, I definitely look at the competition because I'm a competitive okay. person. <laughs> so I, I, I can't say that that distracts me. Okay. Um, I definitely love having a hit list and I definitely am, am competitive and want to pass people. Um, for me, what keeps me focused is I'm only going to be on this earth for a certain amount of time. And there's one thing that we all have in common. What is that? We all want a good ending to the movie. Yeah. Nobody, when I was 305 pounds and diagnosed with my brain tumor, right. and I'm sitting there watching the movie of my life. That movie ended terribly. I think that was a bad movie. That movie sucked. Like the last Avengers movie. Everybody dies. I was mad. I'm like, just everybody, Spider-Man is dead. Everybody's dead. (laughs) I was so mad during that movie. Yeah. It was like that (laughs) movie to me was trash. Yeah. And I felt the same way about my movie. 
So it's like, if I'm only going to be on this earth for a certain period of time, I got to live a great story. And the only way to live a great story is to do the things that I want to do to chase my dreams. Mm -hmm. And I can't chase my dreams without being successful. That's true. Like, I have to have a good story to my movie. So that's that's why I'm so focused. That's amazing. I think something I want to dive in is, um, Charlie, you've, you've done a lot. And I think one thing I look admire is the fact that you are able to... Like, I've heard your marketing strategies are actually very simple. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, diving into here for people who are asking questions, thank you so much, you guys. There's, like, a lot of people that are excited to have you on, so I'm so excited that we could see that connection. But, like, you, at one point, had, you know, to manage businesses, and you were a CEO, and you were always doing these things, but you think so simply. Um, and we were talking about earlier, like, you didn't have a Gary Vee to look up to. You didn't have, like someone on YouTube to Google this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You learn yourself. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly evolving, constantly learning. And now you know all these things. So looking back at maybe 20-year-old Charlie, what would you tell yourself, maybe the top three objectives you would say, giving advice um, to this like younger version of yourself, what would you say? Right, the advice I would give to myself would be, would, you know, this is, this is a trick question. You know that, right? Why? Because th- no, this might seem kind of cheesy. Okay. Because if I could go back and change things, yeah, it would actually hurt me. Okay. Because anything that went wrong in my life, no, not take this. So like a negative. Yes. Okay. A negative is like this. It's a line that goes like this, mm-hmm. and a negative knocks you down, but when you get up, it turns into a positive. For example, <laughs> like dope. me getting fired from one of my groups that was a negative it knocked me down but it showed me I need to be focused and not worrying about the wrong thing so when I got up it became this life lesson mm-hmm. that I'm able to go to learn from for the rest of my life or me having a brain tumor and me being 305 pounds those are negatives but those things were the things that helped me get a Nike deal mm-hmm. you know helped me be in the Colin Kaepernick commercial because they wouldn't want me unless I had something wrong with me that I overcame that's what's inspirational is when somebody actually gets up so I wouldn't technically want to change anything because if I went back to 10-year-old Charlie or 20-year-old Charlie and fixed those things, you wouldn't I would have just been too perfect. That's true. Perfect people don't – what's the quote? It's the people that make a disruption in the world change the world. That's right. So, I mean, I guess like maybe the right question would be 20-year-old Charlie, what would you ask her? Like what – if 20-year-old Charlie was watching this live right now, hey, guys, mm-hmm. what would you want to ask Charlie, now. Hmm. What would I ask Charlie now? Like, kind of in this weird perspective. Okay. When I'm 20 years old and I'm struggling and I'm in my mom's basement and I get to ask somebody who became a millionaire, I would, I would ask them, I would ask them, You know what? I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't know how to ask a question because I, to this day, don't ask people questions. You know, <laughs> this is really this is really strange because most people would have an answer for this. Right. I literally, I, I don't. I don't ever ask questions to anybody. You look into yourself. I always look within. Like I feel like our brains have intelligence, but our hearts have intelligence too. Right. Mm. I'm We've never heard anybody say, follow your mind. No. Nope. Ever. 
we say follow your heart for a reason because it knows. And when I was 20 and I was struggling, I just looked within and I had to solve my issues myself. And I know, I know y'all are probably like super frustrated with my answer, but me having rabbit ears and listening to other people all the time, that might paralyze me. Where like when I mess up, like I, I, I just like, okay, I look at it. like Okay, where did I go wrong? Okay, let me fix that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I try something else, but I always try to operate like a child. That's one of my secrets. Yeah. Because when, when, when you have an eight-year-old kid, he says, I want to be an astronaut. Well, that's what I did at 28 when I run a $15 million a year business and I want to walk away and retire because I said, I want to be an athlete. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. That pivot. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, how old were you when you said? 28. 28. So, that's only three years ago. Um, no, that was, that was a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah. So, a year and a half ago, you made a pivot. Mm-hmm. You guys know that I made a pivot. By the way, please ask a question down below for Charlie, since we're doing Q&A in about five minutes. So, um, going back into it, I was saying, you know that you wanted to change. I wanted to drop out of high school. Um, but on your last podcast, you said you saw it as a death of an identity. Mm-hmm. Most people see that as a negative thing. Again, how do you see that as positive? Because I actually had so many anxiety attacks from thinking like, oh, gee, the old company that I started at failed mm-hmm. is gone and people are going to laugh at me. People are going to do this. So mm-hmm. you saw positive. Why is that? So sometimes you have to kill off a version of yourself in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Like a tree. Like um, in a tree, when winter comes, it has to kill itself and shed its leaves because when the snow and ice gets on it, if the leaves are there, it's going to be too heavy and it's going to break. Right. So it kills off a part of itself to survive a tough time. And for me, I was this businessman who was addicted to food. And I had to kill off the businessman version of myself in order to survive because I was on a path to an early death. Like, with me being... And for everybody, you know, watching, you know, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And I went vegan. And I reversed it. And I still have my brain tumor. But it's under control. I'll be able to live with it my entire life as long as it's under control. And um, so for everybody watching, I am okay. But at that darkest moment, I looked at what was causing me to be sick. And unfortunately, it was the decision I made when I was eight. What was that? I always wanted to be an athlete, but I buried that to become a businessman. Why couldn't you both? Well, business for me formed an addiction. Stress? Stress leads to? Eating. Deal making leads to? Eating. And success and celebration leads to? Eating. So my entire day, my entire life was caged in by eating. Couldn't you think you could have worked something out? Couldn't you feel like? I always tried. You always tried? I always tried. I was on diets ever since I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I would always crack. Because business consumed me so much. And when you have somebody with a habit, it all starts with a trigger. A trigger forms a reaction. So I walked away from business completely to become what my original dream was. An athlete. An athlete. And that's why I was able to lose the 130 pounds. So 
was able to bike across America. I did an Ironman in New Zealand. Besides Fairbanks. And <laughs> now I'm a, a Nike athlete. Just do it. <laughs> oh, you're, you're perpetrating. Oh, I know. You're perpetrating. <laughs> you got the Nike. It's checks over stripes. That's what I like. Is that okay? This is a look though, right? It, you look great, okay. but... We're team Nike over here. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm from Portland, too. You didn't see this. Uh, Actually, Adidas has an office in Portland as well. Yep, they're my neighbors. <laughs> I walk over there for lunch. So, going back to what you're saying, you found an outlet through um, fitness and being an athlete to change your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you saw it as a good thing. It changed your life. Mm-hmm. What's next for Charlie? Whew. Sharing my energy with people. I feel like energy is transferable. Are you ever tired, though? Like, you need to take a break sometimes? Yes. Last <laughs> night, I went to bed at 5 o'clock, and I slept 12 hours. Good. I am tired. After biking across America this year and all the things, I am tired. Good. So, But you know how I look at tired? I do not beat myself up when I'm tired and unmotivated. Really? I do that. Okay, so Gary Vee, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about hustle. Just curious. What if your problem is that you want to work more? Like, your problem isn't hustling, that you beat yourself down for not hustling enough. What would you say to that? I'm pulling the slingshot back. That's all I look. Like, if I'm tired and I've got to sleep, I'm just pulling it back. <laughs> Most superheroes in superhero movies are, like, sleeping until they have to go save the world. Like, okay. they're, like, in the cave, like, you know, and okay. it's time to go save the world. Boom, I've got the energy. But okay. I don't, honestly, no beef with anybody. I don't like the word grind. No. You know what? <laughs> grinding is like this friction. Like this like, like if I had the choice to like, like be dragged across the United States or to like fly in an airplane, which would you do? Fly. Fly. Or like maybe like an Elon Musk like super jet, you know? There you go. Yeah. There's not much friction in a super jet. Yeah. So grinding is this friction and it wears you down. Some people are built for it. I work really hard. But I always say to myself, I want to float. I want to float. Like, I want to win. Now, it takes work. But I definitely don't want there to be friction. I definitely don't want to be beat down and dragged through the dirt. I mean, wouldn't that be luck at that point to float? Nope. Really? You don't see that as luck? I'm about to get on an airplane in a couple hours. Somebody was just smart enough to build an airplane. Mm -hmm. That's not luck. Somebody built that airplane, and there's way less friction up there but to it. build it takes work oh I'm not saying don't okay. work oh I work but I definitely don't want to be drug in the ground mm-hmm. I, see I want to float through my day I want to be happy mm-hmm. I don't want to be at war yeah. I don't want bullets flying like oh we gotta <laughs> run I don't want to be yelling all the time no I want to work but I want to have fun I want to play That's work. Why can't, like, your work is technically play. Some people are like, you're working and you just, you get to talking to (laughs) a camera. Like, that sounds like you're just playing all day. But you're floating. But it's our mentality. Are we going to grind? Or I want to float. That's really hard for, I mean, I like that. It's kind of hard for me to accept because I'm at that point where, by the way, we're answering questions in just a few minutes. Um, I never thought about that way, so that's really cool. Um, because I'm always thinking, like, hustle, grind, or else you're going to die. So, I think floating is a good analogy. I wake up every day and float. And I wake up early, and I float all day. I think that's how a lot of attraction, just like, you know, like you're saying, you just attract things. And then, if you're working too hard on something, it's probably not meant to be. 
It's so, hard work, but it's how does the work? Does it beat you down? Is our mentality, or is our mentality, ha? <laughs> okay. Like that, I just wanted more of the ha in my life. Okay. I want to be happy. And a lot of times, businessmen and, you know, people, businesswomen who are in that grind mentality, you know, we get beat down. Someone just said this is an interesting outlook. Everyone's like shook to the core, too. This is nice. an interesting outlook. So, uh, I'm going to take some questions from you guys. I want to know, everyone, um, I have a question actually from Jeremy. Advice for making a difference and having a unique voice when a market is so saturated. I, um, Jeremy's saying he feels clouded because everyone's a entrepreneur now. Everyone's doing what we're doing. How do you stand out? Um, and maybe you can give personal advice since you did launch a podcast and you almost broke the records from like starting out, you know. So give us a little advice, marketing, maybe tactics for this. Okay, so I'll give an example in a very crowded space, which is the podcast space. I launched a podcast, and um, how do I stand out? One, <laughs> I message um, 500 of my followers a day. I'm willing to do the things my competition isn't willing to do. The f- very first thing, I'm messaging by hand, personal messaging. What are you saying? Like, hey, how you doing? And then they <laughs> respond back like, oh, what's up, Charlie? Yes. I'm like, hey, you know, like, I'm super passionate about my podcast. Right. So I'm like spending like the next few hours like messaging people like you and just being honest. And they're like, man, I respect you, man. Like, like, man, I'll do whatever you want. Like, subscribe and rate. And then I'll share. So it's like I'm standing out. By not, by not really doing anything other than human mimicry. Like if you uh, were in high school and you wanted a friend, you gotta like walk up to them and say hi. <laughs> well, podcast listeners, I want a whole bunch of friends. Those are my listeners. Yeah. So I just walk up and say hi to a whole bunch of people. But like, what if you're not the cool kid? Because you're cool. I mean, let's be honest, you're really cool right now. What if you're not cool? Like people don't want to just say hi to. The- them little kid that just says hi, you know, like everyone, when I was in school, people were like, I'm not saying hi to you. Guess who gets cool? So if you have a thousand followers on Instagram, right. you might feel like you're not the cool kid, but that's a thousand people to talk to and then boom, get the little movement going with that. Like I have a hundred thousand. Yeah. I feel the same way the person with a thousand feels to Gary Vaynerchuk. He has five million. You feel that way sometimes? I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk has five million. If we look at the ratio like, somebody who has a thousand looks at me as big, yeah. but then I look at me as small compared to somebody else. Okay. So, I'm just focusing on who cares about me. Okay. That's it. And um, I know that sounds like super, everybody probably wants like a, a formula, but I'm literally doing it every day. Like, I have a whiteboard right here where I'll show you guys. Show us, show us. So, this is, this is how my thought process works. I make a thermometer of a goal. And my goal is to have a thousand ratings on my podcast. So I'm going to message 500 people a day asking them to support. Today I hit 750. But this is literally my thought process. It's like every day it's going to go up. Then I'm going to hit my goal of a thousand. And a thousand ratings on a podcast means like you're like a real deal podcast. But I've done this in 10 days. But if I didn't ask people by hand, I might be at like 150. Yes. Like it's hard getting ratings on podcasts. So I'm messaging them by hand and I'm doing that every day. So I'm standing out. Like after 10 days, I stand out because I've got extraordinary results. 
but I'm doing something extraordinary. Everybody wants to send like a mass message or just like post on their Instagram feed. Me? No, like I'm going to hand message. So that's that's how I'm personally standing out in a crowd. That's incredible. Space. I mean, just curious because we have a few more minutes um, mm-hmm. with the questions. I mean, we got a question actually from – so you know the artists taste a lot better than I think um, I do because I do marketing advice, but I'm like, I don't know what to say sometimes. So mm-hmm. big question. I get a lot of questions from people that are producers are starting out. The initial thinking is to grow big and get an audience is to collaborate with someone big mm-hmm. and get their followers. But some people try that and they don't trinkle it. So why do you think um, some collabs benefit better than others? For example, my friend has like a thousand followers. He collaborated with someone who has a million, but nothing happened. Can mm-hmm. you tell me why that happens? I don't know. What would you say? Are we talking about record producers? Um, we're talking about like a SoundCloud or like uh, a YouTube kind okay. of singer and a producer. So what I did, how did I break two chains? Let's break this down. I had this philosophy where I want to boil a pot of water. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's my goal. Because the goal is to be hot. SoundCloud, mm-hmm. you want to be hot. Uh, record producer, you want to be hot. Product, YouTube channel. The goal is to be hot. Now, if that person were to go out and to try to boil a lake, would it be possible? No. Like... You spend the rest of your life trying to figure out how to boil a lake. But if, if, if we got a pot of water, mm-hmm. right over there, a little pot of water, and put water in it and put the flame on, can you boil it? Yes. Now, what if we added a little bit of water to it instead of made a little pot of water, made a big pot of water? Yeah. Will that boil? Right. Then add a little bit of water to that. Now it's a large pot of water. Okay. Now it's boiling. Then a little bit more water. And every time it boils... You can add a little bit of water, and it will speed up the process of boiling the bigger pot of water. Right. So technically, you can work your way all the way up to a lake. What did I do with two chains? The AUC in Atlanta. It's Clark Atlanta, Spelman, and Morehouse, the colleges. It's, a, it's like a two-mile radius of three colleges. And I would pass out CDs every single day. Some people would get seven CDs from me. Over the course of a month or two months. Is this coming out of your pocket as well sometimes? Yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have to, like, if we made a little bit of money, I'd put some aside, yeah. press up CDs. And i pass out CDs every single day because I just wanted to boil that pot of water. I wanted two chains hot right there. And then it got hot in that little radius of those colleges that each one of those people that go to that college, like, this person's from Virginia. So when they post it on their Twitter all their friends are from Virginia, so now it's marketing to Virginia. This person posts it to their, and then they go home for Christmas. They're taking our music back with them. So I just wanted to boil a pot of water. Mm-hmm. That was the goal, to be hot. So if I were to give an artist advice today, it would be like, pick one club, like the Migos, for example. They boiled a pot of water in Atlanta. One club, Mansion Elon. It was the hottest 18 and up club in the city. Mm-hmm. And they would go to it every Friday. Every Friday, and they would stand in that DJ booth, and the DJ started playing the music, and they'd be, they, that became the hottest music in that club. And people would come from out of town and be like, who is that? Oh, that's the Migos. And they would take it back to their cities. Yeah. Then different sides of town picked it up. But they just had that one club. Mm-hmm. But they were hot there. Instead of trying to boil an entire lake, sometimes the internet, just marketing to the internet, that's a lake. <laughs> that's an ocean. Right. You can't boil an ocean. Right. Find a pot of water and boil it. 
I like the analogy. So for everyone who is collaborating with someone larger than you and you're not seeing results, like you got to repost it by like a famous Instagrammer and if nothing's happening, you're targeting a large market that's not penetrating yourself forward. What Charlie's saying for anyone who wants to get, write this down is to find your pot of water. Mm-hmm. So I have a last question for you, Charlie. Mm-hmm. It has been amazing. You are inspiring me like crazy at this point. The float, the, someone comment below that they like the float analogy. That was amazing. I'm someone right now at this point where my channel, you know, just hit 100,000. We hit like, you know, a couple million views. This is great. And, you know, I'm 17. My parents are like, go Jade. Um, and I'm just going to, you know, start to tour in Asia. Like I, I want to do more things. I feel like personally, I'm a, my only, t- like my team is me, my editor, and my dad. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to expand and hire because, I mean, you worked in big teams before, like with artists, so maybe you know this, but like, when is it right to, you know, hire, increase your leadership? Um, when When's the right time? When do you know it's the right time to expand and scale? Because I, I have to scale. I just don't know when. Okay. Uh, what are you going to scale to? What's the first? What do you want to scale to? Um, I want to scale to handling my inbox and emails is crazy. Mm-hmm. My, my app has too many responses. So I want to scale to sending a thousand messages a day. Okay. That doesn't require my light on it. Got you. Okay. Um, I think that's very important because those relationships with each person messaging you is your core mm-hmm. and that's what you will be able to monetize. That's the most important thing. Like my in your time, business. my individual time. Um, I personally recommend mm-hmm. if there's a fan, it's nobody else should respond to your fans, okay. but you, unless it's a business inquiry, okay. then a business person can respond. Right. But like your fans know you're busy, yeah. So if you can't respond, they they're not going to be mad at you. Okay. But if there is somebody who responds, it better be you. Okay. Never let somebody respond for you. Because I was thinking, like, should I hire like an assistant to reply to all my comments or just keep that no, internal? No, you have to be real. Okay. Energy is real. Like okay. people can feel energy. Okay. So it's like if it's not you, it, 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 it's 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 really like playing with fire. Okay. Always let it be real. But your fans, fans aren't mad at Beyonce for not responding. Nope. <laughs> like, we know you're busy. Okay. You know, but I would make sure you respond to as many as you can. Okay. But uh, for your expansion, it should definitely be into monetization. It okay. should be into touring. So hiring somebody who can help organize tours or who can help reach out to fans as not as you, but as somebody else. Like, let's organize an event in, you know, um, you know, Orange County, Mm -hmm. you know, and all your fans get together and you've got somebody who's spearheading it with all your fans and y'all do an event in Orange County and then boom, you're going to go to Austin, Texas and all your fans and you've got somebody who is like on your behalf, like I'm Jade's, you know, event manager and we're going to come to Austin, we're going to organize. When should I do that? Am I right? I don't know if I'm ready. I'm too young. I'm 17. Like, do I wait till 18? So I legally hire, you know, it's like, when's the right time? You think? Um... When do you turn 18? April 18, 2018. I'm April 6th. Hey, hey. Are you in Aries or after Aries? Aries. I'm in Aries. Me too. Okay. <laughs> hey. We're very similar. Um, I'll start now. Okay. I'll start now. Start doing events. It was very important when I would market my artists to have physical interactions with the people who care. It's more powerful. Like there might be thousands of people who end up watching this live. But it's more powerful when there's 60 to 100 people in a room than thousands of people watching online. There's something about when that energy is shared in real life. There's something magical that happens. 
that blows things up bigger than, you know, a, a picture that would get, you know, 10,000 yeah. likes or a video that gets a million likes. So sometimes Retention. just being in front of a hundred people mm -hmm. is powerful. So, I, I mean, that's what I want to do next year. I want to be in front of as many people as possible, especially the people that care about me. When I would bike across America, I would do a meet and greet and like 30 people would show up that's and those good. were the best moments. And it was more powerful than any picture that has 10,000 likes. Those 30 people were powerful. So okay. I would do that as much as possible starting now. Starting now? Yeah. Okay, Charlie. I'll starting here in LA. All right. I'll have to uh, leave us right here. Thank you so much for being here, Charlie. I seriously appreciate it. You guys, that was Charlie. Go check him out. He has a podcast. Go leave a review. Check out his book coming next year. Yeah. I heard that coming soon. Mm -hmm. And go follow him on his socials. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you please leave me a five-star review. Like... That would be amazing just to know your thoughts. Go leave a review, leave a comment, um, and give that five stars on iTunes, please. I would 100% be so appreciative. And just thanks so much for listening, honestly. If you're driving your car listening, I just want to say thank you to showing, uh, you know, taking the time out of your day to listen to the Raisin Brand. We are so thankful to have you listening. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Goodbye.